0: Welcome to Alpha Ministries podcast. Alpha Ministries is a recovery church whose mission is to teach families, individuals, and institutions the gospel of grace, building healthier families and communities. Today's podcast is part two of John's series that he's been preaching on Sunday mornings, Walking Backwards, part two. Today he talks about our birthright as children of God to hear God speak to us directly and to follow the leadership rather than using the law or having other people tell you what to do. Without further delay, here is the message from John. Backwards.
1: Walking Backwards is a book that i wanted to write for a long time. And uh, in fact, in this particular lesson, we call, I'm calling it, Learning to Walk. And I'm kind of ashamed about this, but when I read what I wrote about learning to walk in chapter one, last week was our introduction, this week's chapter one, I had right there in the very first paragraph I mentioned my grandson, Leo, six months old, trying to walk. (laughs) Now, if you know Leo now, he's about this tall. and He's throwing steers in the rodeo arena, and he evidently learned to walk. Uh, So that was about 15 years ago when I started this project. And uh, Lord willing, by the time we finish our study, I'll be able to complete that project and uh, maybe get it published so anyhow learning to walk that's what our topic is today it's the first chapter of walking backwards I told Sandy yesterday I ought to subtitle this you know you got a chapter title and then you subtitle learning to walk gravity is not your friend Now, that applies to little guys trying to learn to walk, but I've also found another application. After multiple knee surgeries and hip replacement and all kinds of stuff, I, too, am learning to walk. Okay. Uh, At least walk stable, so I don't fall as often as I used to. But learning to walk is really a process. Okay, as any parent can tell you, it's a process. It's not independent. It just doesn't bounce up one day and start walking. Okay, they they wobble back and forth. It's a lot of trial and more error than it is anything else in that process. It could be painful. You know, you can see those little guys when they're trying to trying to learn to walk. You can see the frustration all over their face. Damn man! I want to get going here. The same thing is true for us as believers, for us as Christians. When you're born of the Spirit, and you trusted what Jesus has done for you, you couldn't do for yourself on the cross, and you are actually born of God, born of the Spirit, you become a brand new person. The problem is that brand new person is a brand new baby person. Okay. In fact, John uses three different terms to describe the children of God. The first one he uses is when he says, my little children, is a Greek term, napios, which literally means my little infant, your baby. That's why Jesus used the term born again when he was talking to Nicodemus. You've got to be born again. Well, when you're born again, you're born as a baby. You're not yet mature. And you're not able to walk in the way that we're describing here. Now, as I shared with you in the introduction last week, the Bible uses over 200 references to what we call walking, which is another term for how you live, your life. Now when I wrote this book, it was, I intentionally stayed away from trying to give you the rules on how to walk. because there are no rules. And it's a dangerous thing for me to tell you how to live your life. Out to walk out your Christianity. That's dangerous. Because you might get the idea that I know what you ought to be doing. I don't have a clue. See, I'm trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do. Okay? And that, that doesn't change. It keeps on going. And I'm trying to figure that out every day. So... It's not me giving you a list of rules and regulations. Although there are literally hundreds of books out there that tell you what Christians ought to do and what Christians ought not to do. And most of it is based on the commands of the Scripture, or at least their interpretation of those commands. That's not the purpose of this study. So if you're looking for a list of things that you need to start doing, or a list of things you need to quit doing, you're gonna to have to look somewhere else, because that's not what this is about. And there's a very good reason for that. You know, it's kind of like the counseling I do with folks. You know, they come in, they got problems, and naturally after they've expressed to me what their problems are and what their difficulties are whether it's a family issue marriage issue parenting issue, whatever they ask me invariably somewhere around that process what do you think I ought to do? wrong question wrong question and I tell them Honestly, I don't have a clue what you ought to do. That's not my job. My job is not to tell you what you ought to do. Even as a counselor, my job is not to tell you how you ought to act, where you ought to go, what you ought to do about any situation in your life. That's not my job. That's God's job. Not mine. And if I slip in there and I begin to tell you what to do, subconsciously at least, if not consciously, I become your God. And I want to tell you something. I really make a lousy God. I really do. So you don't want me to tell you what you ought to do. You don't want any man to tell you what you ought to do when you've got the sovereign Creator of the universe guiding you, leading you, instructing you, teaching you, reminding you through His Spirit of what you ought to be doing every day. See, and I don't want to step on that. I don't, I don't want to overreach that wonderful aspect of the Gospel the personal leadership of the Spirit in your life on a day-in, day-out basis. And so we're not going to be giving you a list of things you ought to do or things you ought to quit doing. That's not what learning to walk is all about. And learning to walk backwards is backwards for that very reason. See, most people, when they, they want to start out as a Christian, The first thing they ask is, what do I need to do now? Now that I'm a Christian, what do I need to do? And there's a whole bunch of people, religious folks, that will rush in immediately and say, okay, now that you're a Christian, this is what you need to do. And they gave them a whole list of things. You need to be baptized. You need to go to church. You need to listen to Christian music. You need to put away all that carnal, secular music. You need to change your appearance to match whatever group you happen to be in. Now, this group, you don't have to worry about it too much. What do you want to do as a Christian? See, what they don't tell you is who answers that question for you is God. He's the one that tells you what to do. And I know it's tough because that's totally backwards to the way we think, isn't it? Now that I'm a Christian, just tell me what to do and I can do it. Tell me what to quit doing and I'll white knuckle it till I quit doing it. work like that. Because your faith is not in yourself, your own performance, your own study, your own understanding of right and wrong. Your faith is in the personal leadership of God through His Spirit working in you to tell you what to do. That's what's backwards about this walk. It's not up to men. Well, let me give you a scripture that goes along with that. It's one of my favorite scriptures here in the New Testament found in Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to kind of break into the context a little bit with you. But in Colossians, Paul says this. He's writing, he's writing to this church in Colossae, and he, he tells them... Oh, let me back up. Back up to chapter 2, verse 1. For I would that you knew what great conflict I had for you and for them at Laodicea and for as many as not seen my face in the flesh that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God. And of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you have therefore received, Christ Jesus, the Lord. So walk ye in Him. Now listen to that. That one little verse, verse 6, describes walking backwards in a nutshell. As you therefore receive Christ Jesus, the Lord. How was that anyhow? How did you receive Jesus? Was it by your efforts to behave? Was it by your effort to be good, to keep the rules, to do what's right and not do what's wrong? Is that how you receive Jesus? Of course not. You receive Jesus as described. We covered it last week in Ephesians chapter two. You receive Christ Jesus the Lord by God's grace through your faith. By grace, through faith, are you saved. It's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So you didn't receive Christ Jesus your Lord. You didn't become a child of God. You weren't born again by your own efforts to behave. You were born again simply by your willingness to trust what God said He did for you in Christ. You could do for yourself. And you became a child of God. Now you became a baby child of God, but you're nonetheless a child of God. So the way you receive Christ Jesus, your Lord, by grace through faith, that's the important phrase is the way you are to live out your life by grace through faith. And that's what we're trying to understand here. We're trying to figure out what does it mean to live your life by God's grace through your faith? As I said in the introduction last week, This lifestyle we're trying to figure out how to live as a new person in Christ. This lifestyle is the exact same lifestyle that Jesus had while he was here on this earth. By the grace of God, through his faith and the personal leadership of the Spirit to fulfill the Father's will. That's how Jesus lived, that's how he walked on this earth. Supernatural. The really neat thing about it is you can do the same thing. God has made it possible for you to live the same way that Jesus did while he was here on this earth. Isn't that amazing? Think about that. That's an amazing thing that God allows you to live like Jesus did on this earth. Now, by grace, as God's supernatural power working in you and through you, through faith, your ability to trust what God says is true about you and what He wants you doing. By grace, through faith. Now, Paul goes on in this context here in Colossians to warn against listening to other people tell you what to hear. In fact, he gives us a very serious warning here when he says, don't be caught up in the traditions of men, which is primarily what religion is all about. Don't get caught up in their love of philosophy and their vain deceit. You listen to what God tells you to do. Now, a lot of people have problems with that because they have trouble listening to God. The fault there is not God's. He's continually talking to you daily, minute by minute. Through the indwelling spirit, he's put in that new person he created in you. He's telling you. He's talking to you. He's guiding you. You just haven't learned to hear his voice yet. But it's promised Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice and they know me. You can't. So this is the crux of walking backwards. This is what makes it so different from just the normal everyday lifestyle of the world we live in. The normal everyday lifestyle of the world we live in leaves God out of the picture totally. You don't go to God to figure out what you're gonna do with your family. You don't go to God to figure out what you're going to do on your job. You don't go to God to figure out what you're going to do with your bills. What you're going to do with your health. Oh, no, 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 no. You go to the experts. Quote, experts. You See, that's totally backwards. When you learn to walk in grace and truth, You're walking totally backwards to this world system. Because you're not listening to its philosophies. You're not listening to its opinions. You're listening to God. You're listening to Him tell you what He wants you to do. Where He wants you to go. How long He wants you to stay there. When He wants you to move. You're listening continuously. For the voice of God, telling you what you need to do, where you need to go, etc. That is so backwards to the world, so totally backwards. I was thinking of this analogy of walking, as I said a moment ago. The subtitle for this chapter might be, "Gravity is not your friend." Now you know what gravity is, right? A little guy trying to learn to walk. He takes glistening steps, boom, right? Even when I was trying to learn to walk as an old man, after knee surgery, i take a few steps, boom. It's kind of ironic that you go through the same process when you're old and you do when you're young, right? Learning to walk. Yeah, it's a lot of trial and error. And sometimes very frustrating and painful. Necessary. Now, what he's telling us here is the way we are to walk is just exactly like Jesus did, by grace through faith. You say, well, why did Jesus have to exercise faith? He's God, yes, yes but he was fully human. And in his humanity, he trusted the Father with every step of his life every step. So this world system we're raised up in, this world system that we've all been conditioned in, this world system that has brainwashed us actually into thinking that we, number one, know what's best, and number two, we are in control, and number three, we can satisfy our own needs by our own efforts. That's gravity, folks. And it will pull you down in your walk. You want to be able to walk backwards with that gravity. So gravity's not your friend here. Not at all. You're going to need supernatural power to strengthen you to renew your mind and your thinking. You're gonna need supernatural power to transform those emotions and feelings you have because of your mind. And you're gonna need supernatural guidance and direction to control the way you live your life. Totally different than the normal lifestyle we were born into. And so, I want you to get this idea in mind that walking backwards is totally opposite in this world to the way we naturally would think. In fact, I I actually rely on that. When I see a situation, a problem, or something coming up, in my life, I, I think immediately my old carnal mind goes to work on how it is that I'm going to save myself, how it is that I'm going to make myself look good, how it is that I'm going to, what it is I'm going to do that I think is right and not do that I think is wrong in that given situation that's wrong. So when I hear that in my own mind, when I think that, I automatically now reject that. The first, the first coping strategies that come to my mind about any issue, I reject. Because I haven't heard from God yet. I haven't heard Him tell me what He wants me to do. So I'm going to reject my natural impulses. I'm going to reject my natural desires. And I'm going to say, okay, Lord, what do you want? Now, sometimes He'll allow me to do what I was thinking that I needed to do. But sometimes He'll say, oh, no, 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 that's not what you need to do. You need to do this. That happens frequently in our relationships. A lot more than we realize. You know, this life would be pretty simple if it weren't for the people in it. Right? You'd have a pretty good life if you didn't have to deal with people. People are tough. And because you know What's right and wrong? So you ate that fruit salad with the knowledge of good and evil. And you've been indoctrinated with it. And you know what's right and wrong. It is easy for you to set yourself up as a judge on what other people are doing or not doing. And you judge, first of all, whether what they're doing is right or wrong according to your knowledge of good and evil. Now, all that effort, all that mental energy in trying to judge what's right and wrong prohibits you from listening to God. You see, your, your wheels are already turning. They're already going naturally on how it is you're going to save yourself. And in that natural lifestyle, you don't need God. You don't need him at all. Because you've got the answer. You figured it out. You know what you need to do. Walking backwards is totally opposite of that. It requires knowing that we don't have the answer, knowing that we're not in control. Knowing, being fully persuaded that the only one that can tell us what we need to do is God. Nobody else. Now, I can tell you this, that once you've heard God tell you what to do, everything calms down. You relax. Oh, okay. No matter what it is. Just hearing God tell you what He wants you to do puts you in a relaxed state. Have the peace that passes all understanding. You have that divine intervention of the comforter giving you the comfort and strength you need to do what God has called you to do in any given situation. So learning to walk backwards is a process. It's not an event. Just because you were born of the Spirit. Just because you were translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, just because you have been transfigured as a child of God, doesn't mean you know how to walk. It means you're alive in the kingdom. That's all it means. So we've got to learn to walk just like Jesus did. And that takes time. Takes a lot of decisions on our part. We'll get into it as we go along. Well, one of the most common pitfalls that I've seen in my ministry with people who are trying to learn to walk out a new lifestyle is the same pitfall, the same problem that the first-century church had. That Paul addressed with the Galatians. In Galatians chapter 1, uh, you know, Paul on one of his missionary journeys established some churches in, in the region of Rome, Roman Empire known as Galatia. they were all primarily Gentiles. And he went to them, non-Jews, and he went to them and he preached the gospel as was his custom in every synagogue. He'd enter a city, he'd go find the synagogue of that city, and he would stand up and preach the Gospel to them. Now the response that he received was mixed. Half of the people really lit up and enjoyed what he had to say. Their spirits were lifted and inspired by the good news of what God had done for them, they couldn't do for themselves. And they received it with gladness. The other half, however, got offended. They were offended by what Paul had to say was the good news or the Gospel. In fact, they were so offended in many cases, they picked up stones to kill them for saying such things. So when you walk backwards, you're always going to be on the alert and expecting opposition. Opposition in your own mind. Opposition from others around you. But especially religious opposition. See, that's what Paul faced in the churches of Galatia After he had gone on, There were certain men. They were believers now. They were Christians. i have to say they were baby Christians. But they were Christians nonetheless in our terminology. They were believers. And Jesus is the Messiah. But they made this fatal mistake. They made the same mistake many people do today. And that mistake is thinking that it's not enough for you to simply trust what God has done for you and what He is doing for you in Christ. That's not enough. You have to add to that some change in your behavior. Now in Paul's day, in those churches of Galatians, the, the, Judaizers they were called that came and infiltrated those churches trying to discredit Paul and the Gospel that he preached to the Galatians. When they came in, they said, oh no, no, no. It's not enough for you to simply trust Jesus. Mm -mm. That's a good start. But it's not enough. Now, And here he's talking specifically in cultural terms. Now, you need to be circumcised and keep the law of Moses. You see, their interpretation of being born again and this new lifestyle that comes with it is very similar to the modern interpretation today. They interpreted it as being, oh, when you're born again and you receive the forgiveness of God, that means God just wipes your slate clean. And you get a chance now to start over. In other words, you get a do-over in your life. And from now on, you don't do the dumb stuff you did before. From now on, you don't do the nasty things you were doing before. From now on, you do better. Placing the responsibility back on you. That discredited the Gospel that Paul preached. Because that's not walking in the same manner as you received Christ Jesus your Lord by grace through faith. That's walking according to your own knowledge of good and evil by your own efforts to be a good Christian. See, so we see that happen all the time. I've, I've watched it for the last 40-some years of ministry. Uh, Baby Christians are so exuberant, having experienced for the first time in their life a sense of worth as a person. They're so excited. They want to do what's right. All they need is somebody to tell them what to do. And here they come. Here come the Judaizers. Now that you're a Christian, the Judaizers said, you need to be circumcised. Now, what does that do for women? Kind of a cultural thing here, right? Well, a woman's salvation depended upon the circumcision of her husband or her daddy. If she wasn't married. Now we won't have that problem here today. You won't find that being preached in churches around. But even in the evangelical churches that actually say we're saved by grace through faith. They tack on other things. Now that you're a Christian, you need to go to church. You need to read your Bible. You need to pray. Now that you're a Christian, you need to change your life. You need to start acting like a Christian now that you're a Christian. And they put in a whole bunch of things. Just like the Judaizers did with the churches of Galatia. So I want you to hear Paul's attitude towards that, okay, in this letter. This little letter to the Galatian churches is kind of like a white hot letter because he wrote it in urgency. I won't go into all the details historically as to why. But listen to what he says right in the introduction. Right from the very get go, Galatians, he says in verse 6 I marvel, I am amazed that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another of the same kind, but there be some that trouble you, and would pervert the gospel of Christ. In other words, right off the bat, he states the problem. Here's the problem. You don't know how to walk. You've been perverted by these men who came in and told you another of a radically different kind of good news. So let me see if I can put it in terms that you could understand. It's a little more, more modern for us today. And that is this. Here's the Gospel the Judaizers preached. Those that troubled the Galatians. If you trust Jesus as your personal Savior, you might not have to go to hell and you might even enjoy the blessings of God here if you men get circumcised and you keep the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments. You see, that's like telling someone, hey, i got good news for you. You don't have to go to hell. You You can escape God's wrath and you can earn His blessings if you jump through all these religious hoops. You get baptized, you go to church, read your Bible, oh, tithing, that's a big one, by the way. See, that's a perversion of the Gospel, folks. That's not the good news. The good news is, if you trust Jesus to have done for you what you can't do for yourself, You are complete. That's what he said to the Colossians. He said, You are complete in him. Something else went out on me. All right, Dave, get up there. I don't know if that's a sign that I ought to quit or a sign that I just need to yell louder. You see the truth is the gospel is so radical that we find it hard to believe. I know you can't hear me. Can you hear the wind? You need to come up here and interpret for me, Candy, cuz they can hear your voice. Where we at, David? To it. Oh, there it is. It'd probably help if I could talk a little bit while you're trying to do that. <laughs> okay. What I was saying is this the gospel was threatened when you add to it what God described by grace through His power through your faith. When you add something to faith, it's no longer the gospel. Now it's works. Now it's your effort. And So Paul, in writing this letter to the Galatian churches, gives us some insight about that because we are subject to the same exact mistake the Galatians made. We are subject to trust, and this is that gravity of the world system pulling us back down, to trust our own knowledge of what's right and wrong, in our own ability to do what's right and not do what's wrong more than we trust what God says is true about us. And it's that essential flaw in our faith that keeps us babies, immature, unable to walk like Christ. Now, as I shared with you before, This walking backwards business is all about faith, and we'll have more to say about that later. But for right now, for right now, I won't have more to say about it. Because Candy can't hear me. Candy, get over here and sit. We'll have a lot more to say about it later once we figure out the PA. Got it yet, David? All right, I'm just going to come down here where we can finish this up. to walk. Nothing could be further from the truth. Okay, that has nothing to do with walking backwards. It has everything to do with your effort to be a good Christian. So if you're going to walk backwards, this is my advice to you. Quit trying to be a good Christian. Quit. You won't get it done. You can't. Plus, you can't get any better than what God's already made you to be. You're already righteous with the righteousness of Christ. That's a gift. God did that for you. He made you a brand new person that is absolutely righteous. So quit trying to make yourself righteous. That's self-righteousness. And that irritates everybody around you. Quit quit trying hard to be a good Christian. You trying hard to be a good Christian is like spitting on the blood of Jesus. Because what you're telling God is your son Jesus, He didn't get the job done. Your son Jesus, He didn't have the power. Your son, Jesus, He didn't save me. I've got to save myself. That's blasphemy against the Gospel. That's the perversion of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you want to learn to walk backwards, if you want to learn to walk like Jesus, you quit trying to justify yourself. You quit trying to be a good Christian according to what you think is a good Christian. And you trust the Father. You trust what He says He's done for you. You couldn't do for yourself. You see, this is why identity comes in so powerfully in this. You've got to know who God has made you to be and trust that. Otherwise, you're going to be sucked in by the gravity of this world. You're going to fall from grace, as He mentioned here to the Galatians as a lifestyle, back into a lifestyle of legalism. Trying to figure out what's right and wrong, do what's right and not do what's wrong. And when you get frustrated with that lifestyle of legalism, and it will frustrate the tickets out of you, for most people, in evangelical churches at least, it takes about seven years for them to burn out trying to be a good Christian. But they burn out, believe me. A lot of them switch over to being a Mormon. That's like jumping from the pan into the fire. Others switch over to being some other cult or religion. Why? Why did they burn out? Because you don't have the power. You don't have the energy. You don't have the knowledge. You don't have the wisdom to be a good Christian. God. Made you righteous, doing for you what you can't do for yourself. You can't get any better than you are. And you're not going to get God to love you more if you behave yourself than He does right now. See, this is hard for us to put our minds around. I understand that. That's why these Galatians were so soon removed from the grace that's in Christ because they couldn't wrap their mind around what God had given them that they didn't deserve. Now, one of the we could go on and on, I could preach for about three months on Galatians, but I want to point out a couple of things to you that are radical here in this book. Galatians chapter 5, when we get to the practical section of this letter, he gives us a little snapshot of walking backwards here by teaching us about a lifestyle of grace and truth. In verse 5, well, let me, let me start in verse 1 just to give you the context. He says, "...stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage." What's that yoke of bondage? That's a that gravity of the world system trying to teach you how to save your own butt. He says, don't be don't be back into that world system behold I Paul say unto you that if you be circumcised Christ shall profit you nothing. If you fall prey to these false teachings about the gospel like they were doing you make Jesus of no benefit to you at all. He didn't profit you you don't need Jesus why because you're saving yourself. For I testify again unto every man that is circumcised, he's a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. What does that mean? You're not living in the grace of God. You're not walking in the grace of God. You're walking in your own strength, in your own effort to be a good Christian or what you consider to be a good Christian. But right here, In these next two verses, he gives us a little snapshot of what it means to walk in grace. And it sounds like heresy to most Christians. He says in verse 5, for we, including you as well as Himself, for we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which works by love." What's he talking about here? He's saying, look, we wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. What does that mean? You want to do what's right? You want to be a good Christian? You want to receive God's blessings? You wait for it by faith. See, the most important word in this verse is wait. Why? Because in your exuberance, even as a baby Christian, in your exuberance, even though you mean well, even though you've got good intentions, and you run out and you try to do everything you can think of to be a good Christian and quit doing all those things that bad Christians do? As soon as you do that, you're on your own. You make Jesus of no benefit to you whatsoever. You're not looking to Him. You're looking to yourself. You're falling from grace. So what do we do? We wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Now how do we do that? He goes on in verse 6 to explain In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision, what you do, nor uncircumcision, what you don't do, counts with God. See, God's not looking for what you do or don't do. That's the law. The law judges your behavior. The law of Moses told you what to do or not do, and you couldn't keep it. So, God made you a brand new person who is absolutely righteous, who keeps the law of God constantly. That's the new person He made you to be. Focus on Him. Focus on that new person, not on what you're going to do or not do. What does count with God is your faith. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, but faith. Which continually works itself out in love for others. That's what God's looking for. He's not looking for you to do anything for Him. What the hell are you going to do, anyhow? Be a good Christian. Hmm? No, He's not looking for anything from you except your faith. He wants you to trust Him. And when you trust Him, that faith. Will produce in you the hope that liberates you to actually love other people like Christ. That's the lifestyle He's looking for. He's not looking for your efforts, your puny efforts to be good. He's looking for one thing and one thing only. That is your faith. You trusting His love for you. No matter what. Now, I know, again, That is so against the grain. Okay? that is so backwards to the way we naturally think. That's why I call it walking backwards. Because yet, it is backwards. And when you live that way, you'll receive some opposition. Jesus warned His disciples of it. Saying, hey, they're going to put you out of the synagogue and kill you thinking they're doing God a favor. No, it's not a bowl of cherries walking backwards. It's the lifestyle of Christ. It's the way Jesus lived. Full of controversy. Full of opposition. But exceedingly powerful and victorious. That's the lifestyle He has for you. The lifestyle of victory. Now again, He repeats this same thing at the close of His letter saying it's not what you do or don't do that counts. In fact, let me just read this to you. This is is amazing. It's not what you do or don't do that counts in chapter 6. He says, Verse 14, But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. What's this new creation? It's who God made you to be. You see, that's what God is looking for. He's looking for your faith in who He made you to be absolutely righteous, holy and without blame before Him alone. He's looking for your faith in what He's done for you in Christ that you couldn't do for yourself. He's not interested in your works. He's not interested in you trying to make yourself a good Christian. Not at all. Because He's done that for you. He wants you to trust that. Now... The hardest thing we have to deal with is our natural conditioning. To walk by sight, not by faith. We'll be talking about that a lot more in a later study. But today I want to close with this one admonition. I want you to quit trying hard to be a good Christian. You already are. God has made you one with Christ. He has made you complete in Christ. He has done everything necessary to make you this new creation that is holy and without blame before Him alone. Trust Him. Relax. Receive the good news of what He's done for you you couldn't do for yourself. Let's pray. Father God, as we've come to Your presence this morning, I thank You that You have indeed made us a brand new person. Given us the righteousness of Your Son Jesus. Created us in Christ Jesus, holy without blame. That You have already accepted us in the blood. That you've blessed us with all spiritual blessings. That your love is never ending. Lord, we confess to you our inability even to believe this unless you work worked marvelously by your grace to open our hearts and minds to this truth. And So we ask you to continue to teach us now something you can do through your spirit. Revealing to us who you've made us to be, and all that you've done for us. For these things I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, the Lord's Amen.
0: Thank you again for listening. If you want more access to Alpha Ministries teaching, you can like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and visit our website. All times and dates for services and other events are on our website listed in the show notes.